to him and Newf are very similar, except maybe in the penis size. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the unofficial, unexpected, and unfiltered Canadian motocross race review, featuring Ryan the Newf Lockhart and Ryan Gold, with your host, Ken Cadden. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Canadian Motocross Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, Ken Catton, and as usual, we have the two Canadian motocross personalities that everybody knows and loves, Noof and Galdi. Uh, so, Noof, we got uh, some more big news uh, after last week. We announced we had some sponsorship. We got a little bit more here. Uh, I'm happy to announce that we have Racetech on board. So you guys have done a great job of finding companies that I personally have used. Like I said in the last one, I've used KTM a lot. And that same buddy who worked at the dealership that got me the KTM, he was also a Racetech uh, uh, service person or whatever. So that bike that I bought ended up having Racetech on it and it worked really good. So uh, Galdi, just tell us a little bit about the deal and, and what the, uh, what you can get when you uh, look at Racetech. Yeah, well, first and foremost, Racetech is an awesome business. And actually, Newf is the one that opened up the door. For this one with his friend Charlie Johnson out of Alberta. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you very much. Yeah, very good. Finally earning a little bit of that percentage that we have to work out still. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, uh, Checkers, actually, who is a big advocate and the race tech guy down in the States, uh, who is a big part of Pulp MX and a big part of privateers across the nation and a lot of pro guys. So he kind of reached out and he's actually super pumped about what we're doing. And uh, Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket motorcycle suspension modification company with over 35 years of providing factory-level suspension to the everyday rider. Did you know you can get some great product settings and services Racetech offers locally to you with a tuner you can drive to and likely see at your local racetracks? Charlie Johnson Race Suspension is your trusted Racetech tuner out of Alberta. Get a hold of Charlie Johnson. Noof actually got his stuff done by him last year, and uh, that is the only reason why Noof ever rides fast is because he's got Racetech. <laughs> All Racetech products are 100% guaranteed and made in the USA, and they are now a sponsor of Canadian Motocross Unfiltered here in Canada. So we're reaching for the stars, boys. Reaching for the stars. Yep. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, and of course, we got to give some love out to our uh, brands up here in Canada, of course, globally as well. KTM Canada, Husqvarna Motorcycles Canada, and Gas Gas Canada. KTM, the Purity Performance and Adventure Extreme Bike Ready to Race, as they like to say. And the Husqvarna Motorcycles, simple, progressive, accessible, and dynamic. And of course, the Gas Gas brand, daring, capable, vibrant, and inviting. And uh, the Thor Gas Gas crew. Uh, we got Mitchell Harrison riding that West Coast uh, Supercross Series right now on a Gas Gas for another team down there. We're still riding that Gas Gas brand. And then, of course, Tyler Medallia and Eve Brodeur up top. And then the KTM Canada's crew is uh, Jess Pettis and Ryder McNabb. And Husqvarna has got Yannick Boucher. So lots of Canadian love, and they're joining the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us. If you can support the products, get it there and support Racetech, KTM, Husqvarna, and Gas Gas. And if you're looking for a way to get there, to find them, you can go to our website, CMX Unfiltered, and we have uh, clickable links on our sponsors page. That'll take you right to where you can go, where you want to sponsor these guys. And now Ken is earning his percentage. Holy <laughs> shit, boys, we're getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, now that we have sponsors, that means we're, like, we sold out, right? Because at yep. the beginning, we were just, like, 
That's all whatever. I ever wanted anyways, though. No, 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 no. These guys get deals. We haven't sold out yet. <laughs> we haven't sold out yet, Eric. These are all bro bro packages right yeah. now. <laughs> okay, well, we're happy to have all those guys on there. Like I said, they're all products. I've actually never used Guts Racing, but I've been, my whole <laughs> dirt biking career, I've been waiting to, to get into that. I just, uh, I don't have new enough bikes to, to get the good stuff, so. Cheapskate. Um, yeah, well, I finally talked my wife into it, so she said I can go out and buy a brand new bike this year. So I just have to decide oh, whether it's going to be. A, you might as well try to work on some other things then. Talk yeah. her into something else. Yeah. Bow, take a wow, wow. Well, no, that, she basically wants me to go play with the bike instead of her. So. Wow, that sounds like a really, really loving home over there. Right? <laughs> oh. yeah. Okay, so um, I guess series news, Galdi or or Noof, I guess who. What what's going on? What are you guys hearing out there? Uh, I'll take it away before Noof because I know Noof's done some digging on some rider stuff. Uh, serious stuff, pretty quiet since the last round. We did say that there was schedule was supposed to come out. Uh, they're still on hold. Um, just making sure contracts and everything makes sense on the uh, negotiation side. It's been no you know secret that the Triple Crown guys have had a bit of a struggle on making sure everything is um, either paid or gotten paid or or working through the little. In the outs that go to a national, like uh, for myself, you know, and new, we, we run local series and it's pretty um, self-explanatory. There's not a lot to it. And there really isn't that much more to the national side, except it just kind of, you know, elevated. Everything's bigger. There's more people. There's more numbers. There's more workload kind of thing. And it's supposed to look a little better. So uh, they're just trying to make sure everything is in order. Um, but the one thing for sure, it will start on that first weekend of June, which I believe is the fourth, I think, the three, four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the three, four weekend. And um, we are for sure going to Kamloops because I saw that Future West announced that the W Cannon Kamloops is the weekend after that, which is uh, what's that the seven eight nine? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah, second somewhere weekend. In there. Second weekend of June. So those are some confirmations and and gophers and everything. It's just a couple of those West ones, I believe, that are just kind of finalizing. Uh, but that's about it as far as the the series goes. Nothing changed from uh, from our last podcast except still still on hold, still waiting for the actual. Yeah finalization of everything to come through but there is some good stuff on the rider side of things and um Nuf, i guess I'll, I'll throw to you because i know you did some good digging and some phone calls uh this week and then i had like a i don't know if brent wanted to do like a school project with us or something <laughs> but i have a hell of an email of the ups and downs of the walton raceway kawasaki team uh basically since um november till present day and it's pretty wild to be honest with you you don't really get that kind of stuff in um, Canadian moto, but it's it's uh, it's it's pretty wild. I'm not going to go through it all, but I'll, I'll let Noof kind of kick it off because it kind of ties in, I think, to a little bit of the information coming from the Cowie team because almost everybody else is sort of set. Um, one thing we can I can touch on uh, before Noof takes over here is that Western Rosina is actually looking for a ride. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, a bit of budget cuts over there at MX101, so Racine. And Moff, who now has actually signed his contract, he has signed back on. It was pretty much a done deal. They just was some paper stuff to get paper trail to get done. Um, so Moff and Meyer uh, in the uh, 450 class, and then Sebastian Racine in the 250 class. And Weston Rosina is looking for a team. Um, <laughs> it's not. I don't think it's what Kevin Tyler wanted. I mean, there's rarely a rider out there that doesn't have the utmost respect. And understanding from Kevin Tyler, and and we've been kind of talking about it, boys. The budgets are tight, and things are a yeah. little bit crazy right now in Canadian moto. And we're going to go racing. The majority of teams all have their guys, whether they got the money they wanted or anything like that. It's it's a little bit kind of crazy, but um, yeah, Western Rosie and I believe right now is looking for looking for a ride. 
yeah that's kind of crazy to crazy to say because like where is he gonna go that's that's the that's the big thing right and obviously his deal with mx 101 has been pretty good the last couple of years and kind of a cool backstory on the on the whole rosina thing but uh yeah i talked to moff this week actually i talked to him twice um surprisingly enough i guess we're best friends now um but yeah he's pretty much signed sealed delivered uh excited to go he's heading to california here pretty quick he's just waiting on some bikes um i asked him why california hey um, wait did you did you see the post of kevin tyler with the bikes in the mx 101 garage like a day yeah, ago? Yeah. holy yeah, shit waiting yeah. on bikes he, he's got 10 of them there for him <laughs> <laughs> looks like he's got a lot i don't know if those are new ones or not but holy crap the blue yeah. crew is is uh is thick over there at mx 101 um so i asked moff uh why california and he had a good point he's gonna go obviously you know 23 Yamaha is all new for this year so um logistically it's easier for him because he's close to alan brown who alan brown is obviously a big part of uh big part of the mx 101 squad um and so it just makes it easier to test rather than head to the east coast and go to like club or something like that okay um but he sounds excited um He's actually back in Saskatchewan working right now for his dad's company, delivering money and bank machines and all that, all that stuff. So he's just working away, and um, you know, probably head to California in the next uh, next couple of weeks once he gets some bikes and 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 get to work. So, um, and then I talked to him again yesterday because uh, I broke the internet yesterday, uh, not really, but uh, of uh, me being on a twenty three Yamaha. I wanted to ride one and try it out, and uh, he was asking my thoughts on it and stuff, and. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. So talked to him a couple times, and, um, yeah, he's all good to go. Uh, I also spoke with Tanner Ward this week. His Wait, deal Nate, let, me, let me cut you off just quick. Before I talk, do you, with Moff and Meyer making this deal, do you not think that it might be a good time to switch up that program a little bit? I know the Alan Brown thing, but just try something different. I guess it all makes sense, like you said, with the bike and stuff. I just Maybe let's go to GPF or go somewhere else and change it this this point in his career. But I guess it's comfortable uh, and makes sense, I guess. Well, Is that- no, I mean, he's done that before, though, right? Like, you got to think, Moff's been at this thing a long time. And, yeah. I mean, he's done the Club MX thing. I think he's gone to GPF before. Like, he's done that East Coast side of things. And there's no question, like, the training and stuff is better um, as far as the tracks go. I mean, they they get legit rough and, and whatnot. Um but I just think that he's doing what works for him. I mean, um, he's got a lot more time on his hands probably come springtime. Uh, so he's going to be able to head east and probably hit up some of your races and, and everything like that. But uh, I think for him, um, as far as Canada goes, like he is probably one of the more picky riders, Galdi. And you can yeah. probably know that. Like he's very, very, very bike sensitive. Um, where a lot of the other guys are just like, Oh, put on the bolt on parts and let's fucking go. Um, he's, I think he learned a lot of that from, uh, Bobby Canary back in the OTS yeah. days and, yeah. and Phil too. Right. So he, he's, I think for him, like he knows that he can get in shape. He knows that he can, you know, get fast, but when it comes time for the gate drop come June, but I think for him, it's, it's really important to get the bike, uh, get the bike solid. So, um, and obviously, you know, we don't have the budgets here in Canada that you can just fly suspension guys around and motor guys and do testing, you know, wherever. So, um, I think that's, that's his main priority right at, right at this point, but there is no question California, like you're not get. I mean, they're just public tracks, right? They're groomed every day. They're highways. They got big berms. They're, they're hero tracks, right? So, um, 
So yeah. Is he get up in the high des and ride around the uh, <laughs> the washing laundry machine. machines, yeah. washing yeah. machines, right with Kiefer? Actually, yeah, well, him and Kiefer do have a relationship too. So yeah, that's uh, oh yeah. Did you see that thing Kiefer puts on the back of his Jeep for grooming the yeah, freaking high des? That's amazing. It's fucking epic, isn't it? Like, oh, <laughs> I could like looking at that. If I was like a single dude and racing and shit, I could be like, I can look at some at a at a place to live in the high des. Yeah. I couldn't stop staring at the Kiefer <laughs> tweet yesterday. It's like. Should I, he tweeted yesterday morning, should I go to Supercross or should I go riding? <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, you ride every fucking day. Like, he what loves are you, it. He what loves are you it. doing? Like, he, that, he loves riding. Like, that, that's, it's, it's insane, it's right? Obviously, yeah. we're going to spend time with him. But, man, there's no guy that loves dirt bikes more than Chris Kiefer. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's crazy. On to Wardy. Let's hear about Wardy because that was some big news this week. It's, it's not released, but it is no. released. It's released yeah, here on the released. podcast. Yeah, so not to get our get ourselves in trouble trouble, but Tanner has uh, done a deal. Um, so well, I got it from Brett Lee to be okay anyway. Oh, okay. So, so yeah. it is fine. It is fine yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So Tanner back to uh, Walton Kawasaki, if that's the official team name. So uh, four fifty, um, and uh, he was actually calling me about something completely different. But yeah, it sounds like he's got a deal um, worked out, and um, his knees on the road to recovery. Looks like he's going to be, if everything keeps going well, on the bike mid-April, I believe he said. So not a ton of time, uh, not a ton of time to be back, but he is making uh, making progress. So um, I think that that, uh, obviously, the stress of not knowing if you're going to have a ride or not is going to help uh, lift his spirits. And he's been working out and stuff, but uh, yeah, basically landed a ride. So he's, uh, yeah, he's good to go. So up on that, like it was crazy because... He talked to Steve Sims at SSR, at Gas Gas. He yep. talked to Alex Parker uh, at Gas Gas, which was KTM, uh, KTM, JSR, everything kind of thing. So it wasn't really leaning towards the Cowie situation. No. Um, the KTM group was going to try to come together and come up with this sort of money salary to help him stay, or not help him stay, sorry, help him switch, and then kind of roll into Alex Parker's rig. Parker sort of supplying the Cobequid team, Florida Gas Gas team supplying bikes parts and then the ktm group would sort of be funding the 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 salary and the pace out of things so mm. um it kind of came together literally like uh, i believe it was monday um that they finalized it they had a meeting on the friday made it go together so anyway good to hear awesome for kawasaki they've kind of now put a little bit of a, a step back um yeah. now that rempel has left the team yeah. and gone yeah. over to team prmx and i mean new i mean this one's i think I think it's pretty easy to see why. Obviously, I, I uh, you know, uh, the the simplicity and the, what's going on with Team PRX. The the kid is young. He wants to race in the states. He wants to do futures and and Daytona and, and uh, Daytona futures stuff like that. Or sorry, the Daytona uh, Amateur Supercross. And the PRMX guys, Julian and the crew over there, they have a great little package going right now. And uh, they're actually getting help out of the states from Kawasaki as well with some parts and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do I do see the reason. I just honestly think, and maybe slap me if I'm wrong here. I mean, Ken might not know as much, but I really think there's just not a lot of thinking going on over there in that camp. And, mm. and that's not no disrespect. I just think like that, that kid, he got a, a factory ride as a super mini and they brought him up. And then now he just kind of like, yeah, I'm out kind of thing. You know, you know it's, it sounds like it's ending on good on good terms. And stuff like that, and and uh, Fred uh, Dylan's dad was actually driving the PRMX rig, and that's how this kind of oh, this yeah. ball started rolling mm. um, down there. So, I, you know, I just 
yeah, the kid is a, he's a he's a good kid. He's got skills. I just don't. I, and even I said this last year about the direction of putting him going intermediate and then riding the pro nationals that erased his his A status in the states and stuff like that. I just thought the decisions. And again, it's not my kid, and I'm not his manager. I just thought it was really weird the way it was doing. And this one here, I'm just like, it just seems like, I don't know. I don't know if there was a lot of phone calls and sort of, um, and maybe the the word respect is kind of harsh, but like, just hey man, I, this is what we're thinking. What do you think, Brad? And can yeah. you do anything? I don't know. I just thought, I think it was like that looks better. I'm just going to do that. Yeah, and, and that's my outside looking in, and and I I kind of I kind of don't like it, but I'm also. You know, we're, hey, Canada, kumbaya, everybody love everybody sometimes. But maybe this is the times when, you know, I put my foot down and the kid got something better. Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's uh, with any team you go to or team switch, whatever you want to call it, I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. No no team, whether it's in Canada, the U.S., Europe, whatever, there's, there's negatives to all of them. And there's a lot of positives. And I think for let's say Fred and let's say, you know, his dad there, Fred and, and Dylan, I mean, yeah, the the U, there's no question that PRMX has a you know well one they have a program in the U.S. which looks attractive. I mean that would be that that would be the only you know one of the reasons why I would think the switch. I mean he wants to do some of these amateur nationals and he wants to race year round and the Canadian teams can't provide that for him. So I understand that, but at the same time, if you compare if you're comparing the in Canada here, so if you take. Walton Cowie to PRMX Cowie. I mean, I mean, if you had your choice, which team are you are you picking? Right? Like, I think that you're going probably towards the more factory side. Yeah. Um. You know, he he was there last year. They got Chad Goodwin, who who's been around for a while, and you know they got Pro Circuit Motors and suspension and blah blah blah. But at the same time, too, when you're a rider, Galdi, and 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 I mean, you've probably been in this, maybe not so much in this situation, because you always, you know, you were pretty, very loyal to your sponsors, and Yamaha and John Nelson and everybody coming that was with you, right from amateurs all the way into your pro career, but he was probably panicking a little bit, because as you'll get into here, you know, the things have been a bit rocky for Brett, and the, yeah. you know, yep. obviously with the, the team takeover and, and, and Hugh the Barrow, parts Canada and, thing, right? The parts Canada was big. That was yeah. like six figures, yeah, just like so, that. Clicked. Um, yeah. So, you know, maybe they're looking at it and going, fuck, like, like what's going on? Like, I don't know what the communication lines were like and this and that. Obviously, we, we, we've known from day one that Cowie's going racing. I mean, that's, that, that's going to happen. But maybe they were like, you know what? We're not sure what's happening. Um, fuck it. Let's just go. You know what I mean? Let's yeah, take the deal. Yeah. Maybe, it, you know, like I said, there's Julian. I'm like, honestly, it, <laughs> compare this programmed to five years ago i mean julian oh. was, yeah like it's it this is legit like remember the tms uh right with uh <laughs> yeah, davy fraser with, on the and uh liam o'farrell yeah. yeah like that team has come a long way man and yeah. in a good way and in a good yeah. way yeah so um yeah and, and like honestly and and i obviously golly you saw me and me and dylan are pretty good buddies right through instagram like you yeah know. i know for sure two years two years <laughs> of talking to each other that was pretty funny <laughs> but uh yeah i if i'm a team manager like you know obviously you want to keep the canadian talent you, you've invested as Cow cowie has invested in dylan obviously since super mini on up right um, but as a team manager, it just opens up another door to, for somebody else. Right. So, um, I'm happy the kid landed a ride and, and yeah. now they, now Cowie, yeah. now Brett Lee, Walton Cowie, got to find a 
find a 250 guy, right? So, it, so it, it go ahead, sorry, finish. No, no, it is what it is. And one last quick thing on the, the Tanner Ward thing that popped in my mind. Um, Tanner, with getting such a late start, I was going to add this when, I, when you were talking there, but it made, even if he had a better offer from somebody else, in his situation with being hurt right now, he's going right back onto the same bike, same setup, yeah, and made yeah, huge, yeah. huge strides. So um, kind of to put the whole other team stuff to, to rest, I mean, in his situation, he actually made the mature decision to maybe not take as good of a deal going somewhere else to know what bike he's going to ride and know that even with a late start, he can kind of hop back on there with the setup that he had. So rather yeah. than learning a, learning a new bike, right? Good point. Did uh, KX450, big changes from 22 to 23 at all? Exact same motorcycle. So there, that's even better. There you go. Good point for sure. That, um, now, my only – okay, one last thing about the Rample thing. What this does too now, though, is that now there's a small little precedent, if you will, or maybe a little bit of a lingering um, uh, opinion. All these teams right now are not, like, trying to get the next kid. Right, we, we've been talking about uh, Tanner Scott doing exactly what he's supposed to do in Canadian Moto, struggling to kind of find a space right now because the team's like, man, I don't know if we want to take this chance. Do we want to spend that money, or do they want to take the money, deal with dad? They put all this time and effort in, and then the kid just goes another direction. So there's that little sort of negative to this kind of thing as well. And it's not, again, it's not like pointing fingers. It's just part part of the sport. That's a bit of a negative when you, you start that investment and put that money in, it's that thing that Steve Mathis has bought up on Pulp, Pulp MX about getting amateurs help from, you know, 12 years old. And then they get to the pros and they just say, no, I'm good. Now I'm going to go to this other team and you've invested all this money and time and everything. And they just kind of go the other direction. So I hope that that's not something that that's a trend or anything. Maybe this will be the only time, but you know, I believe loyalty and longevity with teams and, and stuff like that is a little bit more of a benefactor as far as keeping rides and continuing rides in, in Canada, uh, in my opinion. Um, but move past that down to uh, Canela. Yeah. I'm not even going to go over this whole thing right here. It is literally, I'm fucking blown away. I am fucking blown away that literally right now that Marco Canella has turned down an offer from Cowie. What? He basically turned down an offer from Steam Sims. And these are good offers. They're as good an offer as probably any of these 250 guys getting minus maybe Piccolo and, and McNabb. And he turned them down. And I, I honestly think right now it's Marco Canella is not going to race next year. Wow. Well, well, Ken, wild. you're an outsider wild. on this, everything. Like, what do you think of that right now when you hear that? <sighs> it doesn't make any sense, especially given the interview we just had with him where he said he's, yeah, he'd go out and do whatever like, he needed to do. Fuck? Like, don't, I just, it's the first I've heard so of it. I don't that, know what to say. That's, that's, the fucking interview might have been, it's total bullshit. It was, yeah. <laughs> it, it was just, it was total, total, just feed the, the questions, answers and stuff like that. Total, but why do that? Why not just say no to the interview? <laughs> I guess, yeah, right? Like we were, like it was on us. We were trying to give a little bit of love. Like you didn't yeah. even share it yeah. anywhere either. Like, you know, so maybe a little bit bitter on my end of that for sure. But also I'm just like, man, this kid has got this, this talent and this thing and this, you know, He's and he's got an offer, like, and it was a good damn offer, like money and and all kinds of the, the bells and whistles that you need right now, mm. and probably better than maybe he deserves at what the last year and the the sort of falling out that kind of went on behind the scenes. Mm. But as wow. of right now, it sounds like Marco Canelo will not be racing. Um, and I, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to reach out. I mean, I'm again, I'm a little bit bitter about it i'm sure you guys now that you hear that are like wow we did that interview and he was like you just said so 
He said um, he would go out and buy bikes, right? Like, yeah. So, yeah. So why would you turn down an offer where you don't have to buy bikes and you get paid? That just blows my I, mind. It yeah. makes, it makes no sense. You know, it makes no sense for sure. And, and, uh, um, he doesn't want to race anymore. Just say that you don't want to race anymore, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, don't, you know don't I mean? dra- drag people on. Yeah. yeah I guess enough. so. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, that's it. And then, uh, I got a chance to cut up with Stevie Sims there and he actually listened uh, to the last one there and said, Oh, so I'm quiet. Eh? I don't really say much. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're like a fucking, like trying to squeeze water out of a rock. <laughs> like it's just impossible with information with you, but he's, everything's kind of good. He did take a shot at Tanner. It didn't really work out. Um, you know, he, he really thrives his team. And I, I, I give Steve a knock for this, not an, like a knock in a good way, like a, like a high five, if you will, mm-hmm. about running his team on a really solid budget and not like, not spoiling, I guess. Is, I don't know if that's the right word either, but like, you know, Hey guys, this is what we do. We got to live on the road. We're going to stay in a trailer. We got meals at the tracks, things like that. It is like the Canadian way. Now, yeah. now, you know, not knocking the full rigs and the, and the and the high salaries that Dylan and, and these guys have got and Tyler Medallion, they all deserve it, all right? But Steve Sims runs a reality race team in the Canadian market, in my opinion. Uh, maybe that's why he doesn't get a big name, but I really it's impressive to see what he does with the yeah. budget he's had. I don't know if the last time you talked to him, uh, New, for, and I'm sure, no, Ken obviously doesn't, but the budget is... It's it's unbelievable what the guy can do with what he gets. Yeah, and that's awesome though. Like that's yeah. Like and yeah. I like how you called it reality. Yeah, let's call his team reality racing, right? Like, and yeah. I think the cool thing with Steve is is that he's no bullshit either. Like he, I he's a straight up guy, and he will be tell you like, this is what I can do, and that's all I can do, right? Like, would love to do more, of course. Who wouldn't? But, um, but man, like they got good looking bikes. They got good bike. Like, you know, they got good suspension. They got good motors. Like they have everything that they need. Yeah. They, they all camp together at the track. They eat meals together. Like they're not hoteling it. They're not flying. Dude, here Steve's mom like, was Steve's mom's the cook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's amazing. I know. I know. But, uh, yeah. Reality racing. I like that. That's there, that's, there it uh, is. I'm, if I do TV, that's what we're calling them this year. Yep. Uh, so anyway, the riders there look to be Gibbs and, and back to the square one there with black mirror. But now switching bikes again. Mm. Gibbs back to the 250, Black Mirror back to the 450 is what he was saying this weekend. Uh, and then I asked him about his health after his big accident. He says things are feeling good. He went on a big sled trip. Uh, yeah. He said after day one, he said I've never, I haven't been that sore in a really long time. Yeah, uh, probably probably something like you knew for after riding on the weekend. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so things are things are good over there. Reality racing under the SSR. Uh, TLD gas gas squad there. Sims is ready to go and he'll have, he'll have good results again with the good guys on the squad. It looks like, and he did take a shot at Tanner and yeah. it didn't work out. Maybe, uh, maybe he'll reach out to Rosina. Now yeah. I, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but I mean, you got Rosina, Mackay, um, Tanner Scott, although Tanner Scott does have a, a deal with Husqvarna. He's just been trying to do these team things. We did mention about the GDR thing last time. He had a similar sort of offer with the Cowie squad. Um, well, did well. you see, uh, have you guys seen uh, Makai's riding a Cowie right now? Yes, he went and bought a Cowie. He told Brett Lee and Chad that I'm going to go buy a Cowie because I want to be on this team. Huh? So he's still a factor in this thing right there. But I mean, Makai, Tanner Scott, that's like, um, 
Uh, Parker Eels, I'll let bring up a little bit of him. Like, mm-hmm. even though he's got a deal sort of set, not set in stone, but with his with whole shot there and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I mean, everybody has a spot. I don't know if I'm missing any of the major players, but, like, Makai and Rosina right now seem to be the ones kind of left out in the cold or sort of still looking. Rosina kind of left in the cold. Makai still looking. I, I think everybody else has has a spot. Angelo over to PRMX yeah. and, and Julian Bennett, PRMX. Like, I think everybody that, you know, championship, moto winning, podium potential, they're all done now. I, I don't. Am I missing anybody? Uh, well, no, not not really. But uh, an email came through the pipeline last week at uh, at Atlas Brace from one of our guys, Preston Kilroy, saying that he's got an offer on the table from a Canadian team. So I don't know. He didn't say who. Yeah. Um, but he would be freaking legit up here, man. Go look I, I don't, he, so. Yeah, you look at his results. He's pretty good, right? Well, yeah. I mean, go go. He's he's only ever raced. Uh, RM Army in the in the US, like in on the pro side. Cave um, spot my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but dude he's he's like ten through twelve, thirteen, nine outdoor national guy. Like mm-hmm. he he is yeah like he's so he's quiet. Maybe even a little also, better than um, Natsuki, eh? Or, What's that, Ken? That's that's kind of like right where Natsuki was. He maybe even just a little better, and Natsuki yeah. came up here and did well. Yeah. So. Also, now that you said that, new, I just I actually forgot. Um, he's actually contracted by club. Yeah, to do East like Coast like fill in, right? Like he's a kind of a fill in. I think it, I think he's a fill in though because mm-hmm. they have um, uh, March Banks and and yeah. uh, Martin, right? Yeah. So he was kind of like that Phil Micheletti situation at JGR. I think yeah. that's how it's cool. working. So anyway. He uh, that would be cool, and I, I don't know much about the kid, but from what I've ever looked, I, he could be one of those Americans that just comes up, hey, bikes, parts, I'll I'll race for bonuses yeah. and earn my way into the system. And we've been kind of alluding to that the last uh, few weeks on phone calls and stuff like that about you know Newf back in uh, your prime days, oh twos, threes, fours, fives, and my sort of ending stages. But like when that big American push was coming up. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Nelson, Michael Willard, Matt Barnes, uh, Kyle Chisholm's, um, stuff like that. That those managers, uh, Andy White's, and and the Blackfoot guys, stuff like it was easier to get those guys than Canadians. Yeah, because yeah. Canadians kind of, I need more. I need bikes. I need training. I need money to train in Florida. I need this. I need. I need. I need. And those guys are like, I'm good right now. I just need a bike and parts to show up at Gopher Dunes round one. And and then I'll be ready. Like, and I'll make sure I'm ready. And then, but give me good bonuses, you know. Again, and then we've been talking about that East West thing. This this could be the time to get that changing of the guard to make sense of the series and the cost and the yeah. the whole the whole idea that. And again, I'll go back to this this thing, and and I'll I'll, I'll make Parker Reels as my uh, thing. I've been I was talking to him the other day. He was actually listening to our pod and and um, asking about the arena cross stuff. We we reached out about or we talked about last time, and then. Uh, how is how is his? And I asked him about what his deal is, and he's he buys his bikes. He's got he'd like to send his bikes with a with a team if he could, and then he'll fly home and work. Like, yes, that guy will probably not be close or even remotely in the vicinity of Dylan Wright, but that's the kind of attitude and work ethic that I think is what feeds the Canadian system mm-hmm. that needs to take this step back. Uh, tell me I'm wrong, uh, boys. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, no, I mean, we need those guys on the gate, right? Like those, like, and I mean, it was no different, Goldie. We had guys like that back when we were racing full-time, right? Like there's, 
it's yeah, like the series needs those guys, and the series needs we need these the upper echelon. Oh, we sorry. need these Preston Kilroys and guys like this to come up here. It, it gives the series more you know legitimacy and, and everything else. But um, you know, Parker is a prime example. Like, I mean, fuck the guy's down doing Supercross right now. Yeah, he's his like he's realistic about what he's doing. Like, yeah, of course he's bummed. He's not making night shows and stuff, but like he's doing it for the full motocross experience. He knows he's not going to be able to do this the rest of his life. He works during the week. Um, so yeah, it's cool. I like it. Hey, one more thing before we get into uh, a cool interview that, uh, that I did there. Um, did you guys see the post by Pettis, Jess Pettis? I think he was in the gym and kind of calling out Tanner and Dylan while they were on the beach. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I kind of missed that. I, I can't remember if that was after our first show or not, but that was, I don't know if that was intentional or to get things fired up or whatever, but I like it. I yeah. like it. Let's yeah. let's get some shit talk going instead of this hugging crap up here in Canada. Let's get some <laughs> fisticuffs and knock some teeth out and shit and get some good fucking racing going, boys. Yeah. Okay, Noof, one thing that I got on my list here that uh, we didn't really touch on is last weekend or last podcast, sorry, we talked about uh, you having a call scheduled with the WSX guys that never happened uh you were saying that you actually did have that call is there anything that we can uh, glean from that information wise yeah it was a good phone call um yeah so i ended up touching i don't know what happened to the original phone call nobody really <laughs> talked about it but i just thought yeah it is what it is but uh yeah you ended up reaching out and i had probably about a hour long uh facetime with adam bailey um who's the ceo now of wsx and basically like I mean, it wasn't like he was asking me to do anything. He wasn't asking anything. I mean, they're coming to Vancouver. Like, it's not, it wasn't like he was reaching out to me to change his mind about coming here or anything like that. I mean, it's a done done deal. uh, Hey, man, what do you think? Seriously. (laughs) We have to decide by Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, he just kind of wanted to feel out, like, you know, what's Vancouver like? What what's the racing scene like uh what you know just a whole bunch of random questions and and stuff like that um but you know i asked him you know they're what i I said to him straight up because like obviously we've talked on here and it's vancouver has been a struggle for anything motorsports um in the past right i mean we've had world supercross here before back in the old days he said their benchmarks 30,000 people in the stands. I mean, that's what they had. Obviously they had like 55 over two days in, uh, in Melbourne for their round. And they had like 38 or something like that. And, and Cardiff and, uh, you know, that's, that's what they expect and that's what they work towards. I mean, they have like, it's much more, obviously no, no dig to Galdi here, but like, it's a, like they got a full marketing team and they even, what I thought was cool. they, they outsource a lot of their marketing to like, he said the guy's name, but like the main concert promoter in Vancouver that puts on all the concerts in like Rogers arena and BC place. They're working for WSX for that round to reach out and get that non-core group. Um, and making it an event, not a race. He he doesn't like necessarily the word race. It's an event. We need to get those people and everything made sense. Like it's, uh, you know, he, uh, they're, they're very optimistic and they're not scared to work. They know they have to work um, to get the people in the stands. They don't have the big name guys, but even if you had Eli Tomac here for world supercross in October in Vancouver, that's not going to put more people in the stands for this venue because of the, 
the way that you know people are in Vancouver and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it was it was good, and he reached out about uh, putting Canadian wild cards in. So I got him a list of four names. I gave him uh, Dylan Wright, which is confirmed. So Dylan will be a wild card, uh, four fifty wild card for that race. I gave him Jess Pettis, of course, um, and uh, Tanner Ward and Jake Piccolo. And the reason on the Piccolo side. He's local, right? So, I mean, that that will help um, yeah. and whatnot. And he was telling me, like, you know, we're going to play it up like, you know, the Canada meets the world, right? Like, you know, Dylan Wright, you know, multi-time Canadian champion is going to race against the best in the world. And, and but I, you know, all the stuff, um, you know, they know what to say. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a cool phone call. And I've gone back and forth a few times on emails. And Goldie helped me out getting some contacts for some, you know, because they reach out for, you know, independent sponsors for each round and stuff. So, uh, I mean, fuck, I hope I get a free pass out of this. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you're, you're going to have to wear the white suit, remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, was there anything in there at all, Mooford? Did you by chance ask about the kind of rumor that the Friday was going to be kind of yeah. like the Australian yeah. one and it would be like a Canadian round of our series? Because I know Justin kind of hinted a little bit towards yeah. that in some conversations that I've had with him. I didn't, I didn't bring that up and I don't know why I had, uh, of course now I just went, I just, uh, a professional media guy like myself now, cause we're media, um, <laughs> should have had notes like how Ken builds us the show notes. I should have had notes, but I missed two key questions. One, I should have asked him that. And the second question that I really wanted to ask him, why Vancouver of all places in Canada to go? I didn't, uh. him, I didn't ask him that. So, um, I mean, yeah, actually, makes... that, that one, sorry, that one would be a good one because obviously rumor is, is that they get government support. Right. And it just, I don't know, that seems like the Canadian government just has no interest in supporting really anything other than. No. Yeah, I don't know. I, the, let's not even get into politics. He yeah, did tell me, he did tell me, like, <laughs> I did ask him, like, are all these venues that you go to like a one and done? You know what I mean? Like, they're going to, like how they're not going back to Cardiff this year um, type of thing. They mm. move venues, obviously the Australian one, that's a staple for them. But yeah. he said, no, like we want to build a platform to where we continue to come, which makes sense. I mean, one thing that did get brought up is I brought up the crazy ass dirt from back. Oh, Oh, four, Oh, five, Oh six. Right. Like I, asked yeah. him, I, said, I said, what are you guys doing for dirt? He's like, well, I don't, I haven't really looked into that yet. So I'm like, well, just an FYI, the dirt that we used in there in 040506 was fucking bricks and knives and needles <laughs> and shit in it, right? Um, <laughs> that might be a bit exaggerated, but there was bricks and stuff, and it was like moon dirt. You remember what it looked like, guys? Oh, I, I raced it. It was like white. It, it actually looked cool, like track yeah. when you first got there. But then you wrote it, you're like, "What the <laughs> hell is going on here?" Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then I, I, yeah, so that was basically my conversation. But to to go keep going on the the World Supercross thing, so I stumbled across this screenshot on Facebook a couple days ago from this guy that I know on the island to one of the CMA directors and why it was screenshotted on there. But it was basically this guy asking the CMA director. Um, hey, so-and-so, um, is there going to be support classes at the World Supercross in Vancouver? And the answer back, like, it was like a conversation. The answer back was like, yes, it's been talked about, looking like a good possibility. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, they're not going to have su- support classes. Like, like, my, like, 65 Johnny's not going to be out there <laughs> racing at the World Supercross. Yeah. Like, you're going to, you're going to ref it. 
set it up and then run vet class, new. Yeah. Like, but like, I, I just, I just, I don't know why. I guess we don't even really need to talk about it. But is that just not like ridiculous? <laughs> like, what? Well, let's be honest. That probably the answer from that whoever the director was. They, they even know like what is no. going on. I, I don't know. Probably what sport he was talking probably about. Not. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, that was the gist of it. Um, Other than that, yeah, that was it. Okay, well, I think that's a good time to head over into our interview. So this week we got uh, another big one. Hopefully uh, it turns out to be a little more true, the things that he's saying when he gets through this. But uh, (laughs) uh, we got Dylan Wright. Um, I think he's probably, we were all interested in what Canelo was doing, but I think Dylan's obviously the biggest uh, international personality that Canada has, so I'm glad that we got him in nice and early. It was an awesome interview, Galdi. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I got to listen to it on the way home uh, that day you did it, so that kept me uh, kept me entertained a little bit. And, uh, man, Dylan's funny. He's – and just – The funny thing with Dylan, like, I felt like he just would have kept talking and talking and talking, and he was pretty open and everything, right? Like, he was – I felt – I mean, obviously – we all, well, all of us here on the phone know Dylan, you know, on a personal level for the most part. And, uh, a little bit. He, he's a, he's a no bullshit guy, right? I don't yeah. know if he gets that from Billy Wright or who he gets it from, but, uh, yeah, the way it is. Well, I, and what, after it, I'll, I'll touch base on some other things that kind of, uh, dug a little bit more. Cause I know the interview could have got longer. Um, but before we do get to it, Kenny, let's, we got a couple more, uh, little yep. helpers. We want to yep. get some along to our boys at guts racing who are jumping on with us through pulp MX use the called pulp 23. Great seats, vintage stuff, lightweight phantom foam, work with many racers and teams, etc. Gutsracing.com. And I just saw Preston Massiangelo post his bikes down at SOB MX. And Team PRMX uses Guts Racing. I believe Steve Sims and the boys over there use Guts Racing as well. So Gutsracing.com. Use that code PULP23 to save. And then, uh, Newth, this is where you come in, buddy, because Matrix Concepts Canada is on board. Yeah, Matrix uh, Matrix Concepts Canada, um, distribution company here on the West Coast, uh, carry uh, Matrix, of course, Ride 100%, Mobius Knee Braces, Strider Balance Bikes, uh, Works Connection, Renthal. Um, so we kind of pride ourselves. Obviously, I work there, so I say we uh, <laughs> we pride ourselves in uh, carrying uh, brand leaders, right? You know, you look at Renthal and, and all these guys, so uh yeah, sell it all across Canada. Uh, so big thanks to those guys for jumping on board. Uh, just landed last week, um, FMF Vision. Um, the whole Spring 23 mm-hmm. line just showed up, uh, including the Kirk Caselli LE goggle. So, oh, nice. Yeah, really cool. Uh, really cool Cool to be part of that whole program. And, um, yeah, things are good. And, uh, yeah, check out your local dealer um, or matrixconceptscanada.ca to check out our catalog um and see all the the great offerings we have okay well let's send it over to dylan and and hear what he has to say about his uh surgery and his recovery and how things are going uh and what he's kind of looking forward to in the year to come all right time for another podcast here on the canadian motocross unfiltered podcast ryan god ryan lockhart and ken catton those guys are probably not doing any work for this podcast i'm the only guy that actually puts in the hours reaches out to the boys and hits the information and uh that's just me throwing my teammates under the bus but that doesn't matter because i'm here on the line with the man the perfect season the first ever in the history of canadian moto perfect season mr dylan wright i guess my question is how does that sound right there 
coming from me? Would it be, I, well, does it sound better if it was maybe from like a nice soothing lady voice, or is it just cool to hear that whole thing in general? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, coming from you, Dolly, obviously it's uh, um, pretty cool. But um, you know, sometimes maybe I'd like Colton to you know <laughs> let me know once in a while. But <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, it's great to hear from you guys. It's obviously uh, off seasons um, long, and uh, yeah, I'm always uh, I'm always down to talk some moto. Yeah, that's one good thing about you, Dylan. And actually, um, I've always had these things. I mean, I've been around forever, and I really value a champion that actually kind of goes over and above, whether it be in the media or just talking. Dude, you do little trophy presentations. You did that thing at Deschambault recently, which I have no idea what you said because I can't understand it. <laughs> but, like, there's just these little things that you go – you're going to the Toronto Bike Show. Yes, that's maybe part of the contract. But – you're always willing to kind of help promote the sport, and there's been champions in the past that they do it, but they're not quite as excited about it maybe, or it's just not their thing, or they're not, you know, maybe as well-spoken or just want to speak. I really enjoy that about you. Do you is that something that you, you've grown to become, or is that something that you've already be, always been? Like, I remember that video uh, back when you guys had the bus, and you were on the Huskies in junior class, and yeah. you did, like, a whole tour and stuff. Like, you've always kind of been good at chatting. Is that something that you've just embraced or is it something that just kind of comes to you yeah i think obviously talking isn't you know i'm not scared to talk to pretty much anybody and i think it just kind of comes naturally and um yeah i think you know the side of you know kind of giving back to the roots comes from like my amateur days and kind of you know seeing the pros and how they kind of reacted and i try and do it in my own in my own way and then Obviously, you know, um, with my dad and stuff, we kind of, I grew up pretty humble and kind of, you know, just started to uh, try to stay true to the roots and stuff. So it's kind of, it's really important to me to try and give back to the sport as much as I can, or, you know, my dad will probably beat my ass. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's something that's, I don't know if that's lacking nowadays. An aggressive dad. Now, when you say beat your ass, your old man obviously doesn't fully beat your ass. They might have gave you a smack or a, no, no, no. A, a swat or something. Like, hey, my old man gave me spankings as a kid. And, you know, and if I did something stupid now, when it came to racing, it was more of an aggressive talk maybe or, or, or uh, you know, a little, a little bump in the run. But, you know, I remember as a kid, I, I used to throw rocks for some reason. It was this thing I did, and I, I smashed a couple <laughs> windows, and he beat my ass. You know, nowadays that's frowned upon, and I get it. I have three boys. I don't mind giving my boy a little smack in the tush or giving him aggressive. Like, do you uh, – obviously you're married now. Probably kids are in the future. Is this something that you'll relay or you're going to handle it different? Like, I don't think it's wrong to be like, hey, smarten the, the fuck up here with a little backhand kind of thing. You're, you're, you know, whether it's teaching them how to ride or if it's just, you know, making sure that they're being respectful in school or the environments that they're in. Yeah, I, I think, like, my dad, you know, it was almost more on the respect side of things than the moto side. My dad could, honestly, when I was growing up, could care less. As long as I kind of put in a solid effort, he, the results didn't matter too, too much. He was just wanted me to be, you know, a good kid and have fun and put, you know, put my best foot forward when we were racing and riding. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I think for me, like, that's obviously still going to be important the respect side of things sometimes these days you see some kids and i'm just like oh dang if i said something like that you know like yeah. it wouldn't fly and i think you know just for me that's gonna still be important when you know i become a dad and 
it's tough obviously you know you got three boys you're, you know it's not easy but uh, oh, you try to find the fine line of you know what's acceptable and you know what's going to teach them a lesson right <laughs> if you do have boys is motocross going to be you know the first sport if you will or do you let them choose like again i'm in this position i got one that really likes it one that kind of likes riding the bike and just having fun and for me like in the summer it's kind of not a shitty thing but I have to go to the track. That's my job. You know, I don't yeah. have a regular job where the weekends are dedicated to the track. So if they, they have to come with me to the track. So it's, you know, they're kind of getting thrown in regardless. I would love to have that, you know, sitting in the stands like Billy is right here having a beer, watching my kid dominate Canadian moto. That would be a, an amazing sort of dream, I suppose. But I'm also just, I just want them to make sure they, whatever they're doing, they're having fun. I think, I think I've found a happy medium in there, but there is a part of me that, I would love them to be, you know, good at racing or reach the levels that I did or become that. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to lose sleep either. Yeah, I think, you know, it's obviously important um, for the kid to want it. If the kid doesn't want it, you know, you see some parents nowadays more in the U.S. than Canadian. I think um, I think they want it more than the kid does, and that becomes a problem in my opinion. And, um, you know, the kid's only going to do as much as he wants to do. If he wants to go, you know, balls deep into moto and um, – try and be a champion one day he's gonna do it it's not gonna take the you know the dad you know helps for sure you know kind of push him in the right direction but the kid's only gonna do as much as he wants and i think you know for me that's gonna be important too is like hey if my kid wants to play baseball well guess what i'm gonna go sit in the baseball thing i know jack shit about baseball but you know i'll i'll sit there and watch and cheer him on or whatever and if it's racing dirt bikes you know maybe i can help him a little bit more on that side yeah. of things but i kind of just let him do what he wants to do until you know, if he's four, if he, well, I guess 14 is old in our sport, but if he's like 12 and taking it seriously, then yeah, like, let's go, we'll make it happen. But um, if not, I don't think I'm going to lose sleep over it. Just, you know, let him enjoy what he wants to do. He'll probably play some hockey when he's young if he wants to, or she wants to, or um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm pretty open-minded into that. I'm not going to force him into doing anything they don't want to do, you know. Well, secretly here, I beat my kids senseless right now. So we have a room with belts and whips. And, no, I'm just kidding. But, yeah, but yeah it's pretty – it's kind of a fun fun thing. You know, you got your first kid. You got all these dreams and aspirations, and then more come along. And it's they just go in every different – I got three of them. They're all different in every facet of, of life right now. It's every different direction. My, my son, Riley, it's his birthday today, actually, and he loves soccer. And I'm like – Holy fuck, soccer! I fucking hate that game. I don't know. But he loves it. I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. kicking the ball. Let's go. You know, he wants to play yeah. it. He got a Ronaldo jersey for Christmas or for his birthday. Oh, and, he's all in. Oh, dude! Like, well, with the World Cup on right recently, they yeah. were. It was always yeah. on TV. They wanted to watch it. Mbappe, Ronaldo, and Messi. That's all I heard. I for, was gonna say. I was gonna say he's not a Messi fan. World Cup, kind of, you know, for, best in the world right now. For some <laughs> reason, Ronaldo seems to win with him. I'm not. I don't know what the reason is. But, um, hey, if he wants to get into soccer and make the kind of money those guys are in, daddy is just fine with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A $200 million a year contract. Dude, yeah. unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> uh, talking about this kid thing, kind of transfer, that makes me was thinking, at what point I can actually pinpoint it in my career when I was like, I really want to do this and chase this, and it wasn't until I was about 14, 15. At what point did you, like – sort of say, you know what, I've got the skill, I've got the talent, I can turn this into a career job, reach my goals, reach my dreams. Was there a, a point that that happened, or was that something that was right from the beginning? Um, I mean, we all start doing it for fun, right? I started like four years old, ripping around the house, crashing into the front steps of my parents' place. You uh, crashed? No way. 
<laughs> yeah, especially when I was younger, right? Yeah, not a chance. <laughs> but, uh, so it kind of started there for fun. And then, um, you know, my we were a big hockey family, so I played a lot of hockey growing up. Um, and then from there, I think, but I, I wanted it young because I was seeing Tyler and Jeremy um, were like, Medali, obviously, yeah. were the kind of local guys and seeing what they were doing. And, oh, shit, that's pretty cool. Like, maybe I could do that one day. And um, so I kind of grew up with that mentality. So pretty young, I started, you know, kind of eating healthy and telling my parents what to buy and not to buy at the grocery store. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of came. I was, I'm trying to pinpoint exactly, but it's maybe like 65s end of 65 so I've been like nine years old or whatever okay um so I started and then I started like um I wanted to work with a trainer and stuff so my parents were like oh I'm not gonna hold you back I guess so you know it kind of started learning the side of working out I mean when you're nine years old I don't really know how much you're doing other than it just being a discipline but um you know kind of started training and stuff at home and then taking it seriously and eating healthy and then um where it really kind of kicked in, I think, was uh, when I was on those Husky 125s, and I was like, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this shit. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can maybe make this work. And then, uh, you know, then I'm on a 125 trying to chase Kyle Keist around on a 450, and, you know, you kind of just, you see, okay, I'm not that far off, and I could just make up a second, two, three here, um, you know, be that guy, and slowly kind of just picked away at it. And, um, you know, once you dedicate your whole life to it, it kind of comes along. I want to fast forward. Actually, before I get to that, which medallion brother was your your favorite when you were younger? Tyler, for sure. I still have a, like a jersey uh, up at my parents' place of Tyler's back in the day, and I actually took his like amateur number, which was one seventeen. Yeah. And I ran that for a long, long time. Um, and then my grandpa passed away, and then he started his horses, so I ended up taking like a number kind of dedicated to him. But I ran Tyler's amateur number for a long time because um, I always grew up looking up to him he was like the local hero yeah yeah um, and he was super I think that comes back to like being good with kids and stuff and because um, he was always super good and still is amazing yeah. with you know the people at the track but that's kind of the role model I grew up with so um, you know I think I dedicate a lot to T-Dex to be honest that's pretty and look at the summer you guys just had pretty crazy to think of that stuff yeah, exactly, exactly. He was just like the local guy, you know, at the track all the time, grinding. Um, the fast guy that you kind of watch and try and learn. Because, like, when I was young, like, we didn't know nothing about moto. Like, we were not a moto background family or bikes at all, right? Like, my dad didn't know nothing. And, you know, he kind of got made fun <laughs> for it a little bit sometimes. <laughs> like, but truly, my dad learned how to teach me. Uh, like, we didn't have a ton of money, so I wasn't taking a lot of classes and stuff. My dad would listen to podcasts and uh, watch like YouTube videos and stuff and like how to ride a bike and how to get better. Um, he kind of related to me cause he was a, always a great hockey coach, but you know, he didn't know nothing about moto. So then he kind of, he taught me, um, a lot with like KT would help him. Um, you know, KT being like the local track for us would help him a ton. Um, kind of what to teach me and KT would stay late sometimes and help out and, but yeah, it was just it was uh, different because we didn't come from the background, so you know having Tyler to look up to was I think was great for my career. I well, that's a great answer. Yeah, you spent such a lot of time there with that, and also now I think you just probably cost every trainer and facility money. Now there's kids are going to parents are just going to watch YouTube. <laughs> instead of going, yeah, I mean, it, it helps or listen, just listen honestly. Like, and I think like I'm a kind of guy, you know. Um, I worked with the same on bike or um, 
off the bike trainer since I was nine years old. Like I still work with the same guy. Um, you know, but on the bike stuff, I think it's valuable to get opinions from a little bit everywhere and then kind of see what works for you. Right. Like not everything's going to work for the same, um, guy. So it's kind of, you know, take one from one guy and try it, see if it works for you. And then, yeah, kinda, yeah. you know, go from there. Right. All right. Let's fast forward to uh present day here. You're on the mend from a couple of knee surgeries here. Just kind of give an update of how the body's going. And, uh, before we got on the phone, you were kind of sharing that maybe in a month's time or so you think you can get back on the bike. So sounds like things are moving well. Yeah, no, everything's going super good. I can't, uh, I can't complain, honestly. Um, kind of going into it, it's kind of scary, right? You're like, shit, I'm going to be out for a bit here. And, um, but hopefully my knees will be good and I don't mess them up along the way trying to push too hard. But, um, yeah, I'm about 16 weeks in, I think, at this point. And, um, yeah, everything's going good. I'm in a pretty, like, uh, heavy lifting phase to kind of get muscle, build muscle back to kind of help protect the knees when I get back on the bike. And, uh, yeah, my doctor physio uh, seems to think I should be able to get back on the bike in about a month's time or so once this, like, I build some muscle up to kind of help protect the knees and then get back on the bike and then take it easy from there, like a day on, day off kind of thing because they're going to swell up a little bit. And uh, it's going to kind of be like play it by year once I get to, down to Florida and kind of get training. Um, but, yeah, I take it easy for the first couple of weeks and then um, I'm not a guy who likes to take it easy for a long time. So I kind of get straight into 30-minute motos, get the fitness back and everything and everything back, and then kind of go from there. Was there a point of, of – um, I, I feel like you're not a guy that really worries. You're, you're very calm and humble and, and understanding of things. Was there a point with this of timeline everything, worrying about getting back in shape – coming off this perfect season obviously things are sounding good but it's at some point where you're just like okay fucking can this can i make this happen okay i got a plan with this like were you a little bit more um i guess worried just worried is the simple word the i think the only thing that worried me was um when i was going to get the surgery i knew if i had enough time to get it done that it wouldn't be an issue. I have a lot of great people in my corner with my trainer and physio and doctor and stuff. Like, I have a pretty good team behind me in that sense. So I knew if, you know, I was pretty open with them on what was going on. And I really wanted to race Des Nations because I was scheduled in prior to Des Nations and ended up, you know, going in and being like, hey guys, is this realistic? Can I bump it back a month um, and, you know, still be good? to go and they seemed to yeah, everybody was like yeah like um kind of we'll make it happen and we'll get you back on the bike um you know as soon as possible um but the one thing with them is they want to make sure like i obviously don't screw it up again by letting me get on the bike too quick um because like right now i'm like i technically could ride like if i really needed to but it's almost like the extra take the extra time to not have to you know take another six months off down the road at some point and that was also important to me i was like hey guys like i want to I want to make sure that we do this properly and we're not like rushing back because you see some some cases where guys need to rush back for races and stuff and it doesn't always go super great and yeah so that was one thing that i wanted to avoid and i and then comes back to i really wanted to race Disney nations at red butt because um obviously it's an insane experience so um i want to do that and i actually ended up getting booked in like six days after because i need to let the swelling go down in my knee from riding um to be able to have the surgery so uh, i got in quick and got it done and um and then yeah the first couple weeks were shit like it sucked yeah. uh, you know you can't do nothing i'm fucking trying to get around the house get to the shitter with a long board <laughs> pushing myself around and i got like a a box beside the toilet because i'm like on my butt 
kind of shuffling across the floor and then trying to get on the, the toilet because I, I, you know, I, we could pee in a cup, but I was like, man, like I'm fresh into this, you know, being a husband here. Like I can't, you know, I can't be like shitting in a cup here. So, um, you know, it just it was tough, man, the first couple of weeks, but. Um, yeah, we made it happen, and you get through it. It's you know everybody knows it's kind of part of the sport, some injuries and stuff. But it's just a matter of how you handle it, and kind of went into it with more humor than anything. And like you say, I'm not a guy that worries about too too much, and kind of pushed through it. And actually, it was funny. I I went for my two week checkup with the surgeon, and uh, like I walked in, and he's like, "The fuck you doing?" I'm like, well, I'm i don't know i'm here for my appointment he's like where are you like your crutches and i'm like yeah i didn't even use those like <laughs> i don't know why you gave me those That's... um yeah but yeah it was just like small steps you know stand up one day yeah yeah try and you know hold it for 30 seconds then take five or six steps slowly without trying to you know without crashing and yeah it was a slow process but then you know it goes quick after that you've really uh, if we cut into that we'll we'll uh Timestamp this whole bathroom incident, and we'll use that as a selling feature for new moms and dads that want to get into motocross. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. How to yeah, handle yeah, the bathroom? That's great. <laughs> it's not if it's when your son or daughter gets hurt, and this is how you can handle the bathroom situations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. By Dylan Wright. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. It's oh great. jeepers. Um, a question I got. I was just thinking this when I was listening to you talk again, and, and no worries and stuff. So. You got a 250 title. We're working on number four, right? Coming in this year for four? No, four? Four, yeah. I have one. Yeah. Three, four, fifty. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So we've, you've pretty much done it all. You've, you've donations. You've turned heads. You've raced on the world stage. Um, you've got an amazing contract. I, I believe it's three years that Diggs has shared with us moving forward. Yeah. So you've got security, uh, solidarity with the team, all that stuff. What, like, what goals now does Dylan Wright have moving forward? Like you can't do a perfect season. You've already done this. You've got the 450 title. Like is, there's really nothing missing. So what now for say this next three years? And uh, how old are you now, Dylan? 25. Okay, so you're definitely young, which is awesome. Like what's what motivates um, for the next this three year deal with Honda and GDR Fox Racing? Like what's the motivation for it? Because I think that's kind of cool for someone to hear, like, yeah, you know, everybody knows we, you've, you're going to be making good money and all that stuff, but like, yeah, what motivates you now to, for the next step? Like what's next? Yeah, it's a, I'm pretty self-motivating. So obviously, you know, motivating is not to lose. Um, and that's, you know, the kind of motivation, um, go into, uh, into now is, you know, what you got to put in the work to, you know, keep winning because you know everybody kind of has a target on your back so if you've let up the gas a little bit you know they're going to be wanting to take it away so um that's the motivation right now is just keep winning and uh do everything we possibly can and continue to grow like our program with honda and gdr and fox um that's i think that's important to me is to you know to keep this program growing and moving in the right direction for um all the kids that are going to be coming up um you know i'm in a pretty cool spot where I have a little bit, you know, of power, kind of the way Colton did with the program when he was part of it, um, and he, you know, took it to the next level, and I think, you know, I'm going to continue to do my part and try and make the team the best that we can possibly make it for the kids kind of coming into the program in the future, um, and honestly, anything with Canadian Moto, just try and grow it, bring, you know, new sponsors or new money or new innovative ways to be creative with the sport and make it better. Um that's kind of my envision for the next, you know, little while here is what can we do to bring 
more eyeballs to Canadian moto and make it better for not just myself, but everybody coming up the next few years. Cause I think that's going to be one of the important things that we need to do is not lose the, you know, the, our grassroots side of racing where it's fun. Um, like I enjoy going to the races, seeing my buddies and we all race together. Like, um, but I think that's the cool side of Canadian moto is everybody gets along super well. So we don't want to lose that, but we also, you know, want to go in the right direction, make it bigger and better for everybody. Can you see yourself, uh, I guess, is it staying in the industry once things are done, or do you have um, aspirations of doing anything else, whether, you know, I don't know, building homes, or, or I know you're you're a handyman, you like to work with your hands and stuff like that, so yeah. is it? do you want to stick around in this if it, if it knocks on the door? Like, I, what are you thinking on that end of things? Yeah, obviously, the industry's been a big part of my life, um, so I would stay in it. I like to think that I have some... Uh, knowledge uh, especially in the motocross side of things for well the whole bathroom the whole bathroom thing right there i think is a winning (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so i think you know i got i got a i got a decent background you know knowing uh what's to come for even kids or uh stuff i've always i've often thought of like hey what like even with honda like hey what can we do as a group to you know help kids coming up or broaden um some of the things that I can do as an individual um, for the kids coming up because I was, I was, I'm always like trying to give back um, as much as I can, and so we're kind of trying to come up with some cool ideas for the next, you know, few years on what we can do to uh, help the sport and stuff like that. And I think that I like that. I enjoy it. It's fun, um, you know, seeing kids at the races and big races like some of your AMO events have been like over, you know, 900 entries and stuff. Like that's cool to me. I like to see that and be a part of it and see it grow and. Um, so I think it's kind of, I like that part. So I would like to stay in and kind of work, um, with the future, but, um, obviously we never know. I, I have enjoyed, you know, in the off seasons, you know, working on my house and doing a bunch of renovations and learning that side of things, but <laughs> I don't think it's something I want to do on a day-to-day basis. I enjoy it because it's, you know, you kind of shut your brain off a little bit and just kind of, you know, swing a hammer and break some shit and rebuild it. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun, but, um, yeah, I don't know if it's something I want to do on a everyday basis. It's fun for a few months to kind of get away from moto and focus on something else, and then you know, kind of switch the brand, uh, the mindset back. But um, yeah, industry's cool. I was gonna say something about this. Now, this is probably the longest since you were a kid that you've been away from a dirt bike. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, probably because I mean, obviously, I've tried to do some overseas races a lot of the other years. So this, yeah, this will be the longest. It'll be probably five and a half months before you know that i've been off the bike you're probably um, jones and like so. i've always said that you know sometimes obviously your career right now is on its upward thing but those guys you know a little downward and you know you look at say the guys like what adam cincerello right now he seems more motivated and focused than ever and yeah. he's kind of attributed it to this big long break that he's had um you know you take a step back to move forward there's a lot of things in life whether it's regular life jobs or schooling or whatever it is um you know I feel like at home right now you're just chomping to get to a track or just, you know, see the new bike and test the new motor or oh, check out the new Fox gear or whatever it is. Like, I, I, there's always that, that sort of quiet little nudge that you get when you are away from the sport that you love so much. Yeah, and I think it's – I haven't, like, felt this way in a long time where I'm just, like, I'm like a kid wanting to head down south, right? Sometimes during the years, like, you're only home for, like, I remember last year doing, like, Disney nations and then doing the gps and then going to paris and stuff and then you fly home you're home for th- 
three, four weeks for the holidays. And then you're like, all right, I'm going back down south. Um, you know, it kind of, it becomes a year grind. Um, and then this year I'm like, like, let's go. Like, yeah. <laughs> I put my truck on the camper and head down south. And um, I think that's important to always have that, you know, that not that you need that much time off to reset, but kind of get away a little bit and focus on um, anything else in your life that's important to you. You know, moto's obviously a big part of, you know, your life, my life, anybody who rides a ton. Um, you know, it's such a big part, but there's also other things in life that are important. I think it's important that you find those and work on them um, when you do have some downtime. And uh, whether it be your like yourself with your kids, your wife, yeah. your, you know, you, whatever it is, playing hockey or soccer or whatever, I think it's important to kind of see the other side of the, the life spectrum too so you don't just get burnt out. I think, you know, that's you look at some of the guys that are doing Supercross only or um, some GP guys that, like, they're like not interested. They're like, why would I want to do the U.S. schedule, right? And it's, I think, you know, it's these guys, we enjoy our kind of time away for a little bit when we have it. Um, I think it's important. Yeah, oh, hey, look at that nice vacation you just went on with with uh, Wardy and the gang and, and Zach. That looked like a great time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> that was fun because obviously we're a bunch of moto guys. So, um, like, it was fun. You know, we went and we didn't really talk about moto at all. Um, you know, we're already going through some contract stuff or whatever. But you don't bring it up. You're just there. We have a good time, get away and relax and um, play some volleyball in the pool, have a couple beverages. You know, it's, it's I think it's important to kind of see the, you know, that life is uh, not just at the track. Yeah. And I think for kids, too, like, it's great to be passionate and stuff for the sport and when i was when i was like you know first couple years pro like you gotta go all in right like you really have to if you want to make it work but you also have to have fun i mean i think some people kind of leave that behind and that's why so a lot of the guys in the u.s get burnt out and they were retiring at 26 27 28 is so like they had enough and, and i think even like with the movement now i think you're seeing guys you know like jb or even webb tomac kind of guys trying to have more fun with it and i think you know that's paying dividends for everybody yeah it's just kind of extending their career and keeping it keeping it exciting yeah uh, before i uh, let you go here uh that vacation so i've only been on a few all-inclusive type things like that you get down there you got that menu of, of like you know cool tropical beverages there's this one yeah. called purple rain that i had when i was in jamaica and i was like oh my god and now i can never ever remake it again did you have something <laughs> down there that you were just like, I just got to have that today? What, pina colada? Was there something that kind of made you really get in the mood when this festive type thing happened down there in the trip? Yeah, I think uh, one of the big things for me is to stay hydrated. Um, <laughs> you know, you're in the you're in the sun a ton and it's hot. And um, so I was I, we were drinking this. Uh, it was like vodka, water with a little bit of like lemonade in it and uh that was kind of the go-to so we were you know we were staying hydrated and still training um, i was talking about some frothy frilly you know funky all-inclusive drink you're just thinking vodka water training still yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i like it, it's funny though you go there you kind of try and get away from it but like tanner's kind of going through the same thing as me right with his acl and yep. stuff and like you know we set aside the hour get our physio and our work done um so you know you go there but you still got to do some work it's not like you're you have to completely get away from it you know you still gotta get up in the morning do your physio do your work and then you can get on with your day and enjoy the rest of the day but i mean there's still work being done for sure that's not me i am completely hammered and lobstered by the end of <laughs> lobstered by the end of day one <laughs> yeah we the one day like 
we try to be fairly responsible, right? I mean, we're athletes, so you got to be a little bit careful. But um, the one day we were on, we were on like a catamaran. We went like in what is it, snorkeling? Yeah. And you jump in the water, and you're on the boat in the sun. You don't really realize, right? They, you know, it's got an open bar on the boat or yeah. whatever. Um, you don't really realize. I'm freaking get off. We went to this like private beach on the catamaran thing, and. I get off the boat and I'm like, holy crap! I am like, I'm done. Like, there's <laughs> no way. Like, <laughs> yeah, you mix it all, right? The beverages, the sun, the fun. Yeah. You just, yeah and just, like we were like, you know, you're in with the dolphins and stuff. You don't really see it going by too much until you sat back. I'm trying to go down these stairs to get on the beach, and I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> that's <right."> awesome. <laughs> hey, like you said, you got to enjoy the ride when you take it. I mean, you come off a perfect season, somebody like this guy's going to be in the gym and but you got to find some enjoyment out there as well, Dylan. And it's just such a great attitude, and I think uh, I think that's why you're one of the the best ambassadors in the position you have right now that I think has ever been in Canada. And I I, I hope you can uh, be. You, I hope you're proud of something like that. I really believe when I say that it's true words. Yeah, no, thanks, Golly. I appreciate that. And, yeah, try and continue to uh, grow as a person throughout the sport. And, um, obviously, you know, I got a great mentor with the team and with Colton. And my mechanic, Justin, they, you know, keep me under control a little bit because I, I like to have fun with it. I like to keep it fun. And, um, yeah, no, I'm hoping hoping for another great year. Obviously, you know, we're making strides with the bike and uh, the team and stuff. So um excited to just get down south and kind of see where we're at. And, um, you know, we have a starting point. And, kind of go from there awesome buds i appreciate your time thanks for letting us catch up and uh i'm sure we'll see you at the toronto bike show yeah yeah i'll be there for sure uh, that's another thing yeah if anybody um is going there um yeah i'll be there at the honda booth signing autographs and uh there's not a ton for me to do so come and uh you know come and shoot the shit and um uh, bring your kids and um yeah have a good time see the new bikes and kind of venture around it's a pretty cool event if you're into motorcycles so um yeah i'll be there i'll be enjoying it and uh yeah if anybody's interested just stop by and uh um yeah get a signature and kind of come talk and make my day a little make my day a little nicer <laughs> sounds good Dylan. thanks for your time buddy Awesome, thanks, brother. Okay, what a what a good interview that was. It was uh, super interesting, and like I said before we went into it, man, Dylan is uh, such a likable, personable guy. Uh, and that ma- made me think of a question for you two guys. So in all your years of racing, you know, in Canada and abroad, I think it's normal to, to run into really nice guys like that, but it's, I think, pretty rare to run into guys who are, you know, top, top tier, as good as Dylan is, that are that nice and that uh, down-to-earth. Do you guys have any examples of guys like that that you've raced with throughout the years? Um, on my end, I've got two that come to mind first and foremost. Uh, one who's basically the same age as me, Blair Morgan. Um, guy was oh, yeah. just an absolute beauty from top to bottom. No matter what it was, uh, on the track, off the track, just respect given. It actually sucks sometimes because I should have been beating him. And <laughs> I looked at him as like a bit of a hero at times. And we were literally in the same classes and chasing the same goals and ideas and everything championships and stuff like that. But Blair was just awesome, man. He could fit it anywhere. He was always nice to uh, whatever random chick I brought to the track. And, uh, which was always nice. Cause that yeah. was kind of fun. Cause then I could just let her run around. <laughs> no, but uh, I Blair. And then uh, another buddy of mine, I'm still really good friends with today. Um, uh, Chuck Mesley. I don't mm. really think that anybody ever had anything bad to say about Chuck. He was a funny guy. I uh, got along with the majority of people. Actually, him and Newf are very similar, except maybe in the penis size. Um, <laughs> but uh, they're just good guys, always have good information, always good to talk to. Um, and, um, yeah, those would be my guys. 
I'll go with uh, Mike Treadwell was my guy. Um, Mike was obviously, or Mike is substantially older than me, but always a guy that I looked up to, always had advice, always there to help um, and whatnot. So Iron Mike was uh, was obviously, um, played a big part in my career, actually. He, he, I stayed at his house lots and, and rode that New England side of things, and he was always trying to toughen me up, which uh, maybe didn't work when it should have, but... Uh, that definitely, uh, definitely, Mike was same similar lines of the Blair Morgans and stuff type mm. of thing. I actually met Blair Morgan probably three or four times. I, I, uh, a buddy of mine, I guess the same guy I keep talking about. He got me into this whole dirt bike motor motorsports thing. Uh, he raced snowcross, so he raced against Blair a couple times. And one time yeah. we, I can't remember where we were. It was somewhere in Alberta, and it was at like a ski hill. And uh, they did a race where the young guys got. To, he was, I think, my friend was Sammy Pro. And the semi-pros and the pros raced together. And my friend uh, got a good start and kind of held everybody up. And <laughs> Blair kind of gave it to him a little bit. And uh, he actually came over and uh, apologized and sat down and talked to talked to my buddy and stuff. And he seemed like, yeah, just the nicest guy out there. And, you know, he's yeah. from PA and stuff. So yeah. Nothing ever could be bad said about with Blair. And the yeah. cool thing about, like, him is that he literally made snowcross cool. He did. Yeah, yep, like absolutely. He, he made that sport be mainstream, X Games, yep. all that kind of shit. Right? Like he literally transcend a sport from almost like nothing. Like when you first watch it, you know, these semi beer drinking, belly bumping rednecks sitting down everywhere and just bang, bang, bang and shit up. You know, I was like watching an episode of the trailer park boys. Mm. And and then he transcended into like a sport where, you know, hipping and hopping out of holes and basically making it like motocross and uh you know, there's not too many people around that I've ever met that have ever done something like that in sports. So that was, he was definitely pretty cool as a friend to have. And then just a guy like, you're like, Oh, I remember in uh 2000 or no late 99, I went out and I was living out in Nanaimo, BC and he was out there as his girlfriend at the time was in school and he was out there and he had just got his contract from like art cat and stuff like that. And man, he was got like seven C clothing and they had little toy Mm-hmm. snowmobiles with his name on it and shit and he was getting paid big money and like he was just a regular guy like he just was yeah. normal like there was no superstar status for sure one of the one of the best uh dudes ever in the canadian moto or just moto in general mm-hmm. uh much like dylan I, I i think dylan is he's right he, there yeah he almost he almost kind of rolls into that I, I two completely different riding styles um blair was very methodical um, and, um, and a little more, maybe more, uh, used his head where I think Dylan is just, he's, he's got to the stage now where he obviously is very methodical and smart, but at, at times that, you know, just turn off that, turn off that switch and kind of tilt your head and, and just black out for a second racing Dylan has, but, um, that, their attitude off the track, Dylan is, he's come to some of my local races. He just, he hangs out with kids. He talks to everybody. He's bilingual which is huge yeah, that helps for our sport day. up here. And yeah. uh, just a, a pure ambassador right now, I feel. And, and the guy just had a perfect season and he's, <laughs> he's, he's as humble as ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no ego with him at all. And Newf knows him uh, probably better than all of us um, because of the time spent on the team. It's just such a humble dude. And I've always said that it takes a certain person to be that champion and really help sell the sport at the top. And he does it as one of the best. Yeah. And Dylan, Dylan is like, maybe the best at the highs like whether it's the highs or the lows he's the same all the time right so like obviously winning is like a drug we all like to win and we get you know it i don't care who you are it can go to your head and 
you know, you may think like, you know, you get a bit of an attitude without even knowing that you got an attitude, but Dylan literally when he comes off the track, it's, he's the same all the time. Like it's not helmet throwing, uh, pissed off or fucking high five and hugging because he just won. It's he, he's there to do a job and that's what I really admire about him. And I think obviously I, I know his whole career hasn't been like that, but that's something that he's learned um, to kind of keep everything in check and, and, and just kind of have that same mindset attitude all the time. And I will say he is probably above and beyond with the fans and stuff. And with the kids, like even with my kid, Meston, the first time Meston ever raced was at Gopher Dunes. Dylan took him to the line for the tight class. Um, like, and, and we weren't like super tight, but Dylan's like, no, I want to be there. This is so cool. His first race, like just little shit like that. And my kid to this day will always, you know, he remembers that and remembers Dylan and, and stuff. So very, uh, very cool. So before we leave off with Dylan there, I'll I'll add a little bit of something that wasn't in the interview. And, and, uh, um, I think Dylan was surprised that I didn't talk about it. And I even, I mentioned it to Diggs too, after we chatted, like all the contract negotiations, like everybody loves that shit. We don't have a lot of it in Canada, but every single team, threw Dylan an offer at the end of this year. And um, maybe that might have gone against the ideas of what Diggs had planned with spending and <laughs> raising the money and stuff like that. But every team took a shot at him um, and the numbers were big and the, yeah. and the ideas of it all. And and then it just goes shows the character and um, of what Dylan has. He, yes, he did. He's got great money as well, but he's, he's sticking with the team that's got him to where he is today. Uh, well, if that finishes his career or not, like it said in the interview, he's 25. This contract net will put him till twenty eight. That's still that's now considered young mm-hmm. uh, in the sport, right? So, yep. uh, and of course, if he has three great years, why the hell not keep going? Yeah, you know, like, and he's also one of these guys. I I don't think that he like he, he shared in the in the interview there, but you know, working in the industry, he likes to teach. And we talked a little bit afterward. He's like, I'd really like to do some sort of like Dylan Wright scholarship type thing, and he wants to give back to the sport. Like he's yeah. not just gimme, gimme, gimme and go. And, and um, I just, I don't know. There's a lot of respect there for sure. And um, there's definitely moments in, in, in his career where you're just scratching your head. You're like, why did he do that? Or what the hell happened there? I remember news back in the day. I think both of us and even Mathis told, told Diggs to fire him yeah. at the end of 17. Yeah. He was a mess. Was <laughs> the end of 18. No, the end of 18, right? Cause in 19, he won 250, 2020, 450, 2021, 2022. Yeah. So yeah. the end of 18, it was like, yeah, you, you got, we got to go. Like, we got to, we got to get out of this. You got to lose this. Because it wasn't getting any better with him. You know what I mean? Like, no. it was literally the same shit. A bike's breaking, goggles, t- like, just the, like, no, he couldn't, man. he would win. Like, he would win the odd moto here and there. But, yeah. Uh, and Diggs will never, obviously, he'll never let us live that down. That oh, no. Said, um, fire him now because he looks like the genius that kept him around, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't. This just popped in my head, but like, what Canadian champion and a guy that just had a perfect season and in his position with a wife now and and everything is spending their whole week at Gopher Dunes teaching a camp, like literally the week before Walton Transcan, like. I, I, I just remember sitting there and Dylan's out there watching these kids go around and like, he loves to get back to the sport. Like the more that when I was thinking about it, Goldie, when you were saying that, like he loves it. Like he didn't need to be out. Well, well he maybe he did because Diggs probably made him do it, but uh, 
he genuinely like loved being out there. He could have been home hanging out with his wife and, and everything like that. No, he's just out teaching the kids, you know, four days in a row, 30 degrees at Gopher Dunes, getting dusty. And then when the camp was done, he'd go out and do his motos, right? Like this is kind of a little bit bizarre to think of who he is and do that at the same time. You know what I mean? All right. I'm done uh, blowing him. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although I, although we can talk about his, his wonderful, wonderful wife for a while. She's got a hell of an upper deck. <laughs> hell of an upper deck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good interview either way. Hopefully it doesn't go sideways like the Canelo one did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that could be the last interview he's ever done right there. Might be. Yeah, you made yeah. history. Yeah. So, hey, there it is. The Canadian Unfiltered Podcast yeah. ruins careers. Yeah. <laughs> headlines, right? Mathis headlines. Yeah. Or. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we I put out a tweet asking for listener questions um, about midweek this week, and we did get one. Obviously, if you guys are listening to this, send your questions in. It gives us stuff to talk about, and um, we want to hear what you guys think too. So, um, so. The question was from Reed Lapine, or Lapine, I don't know how to say that, from Twitter. Uh, looks like he's a BC guy, and this is for Noof. So he's asking about a Revelstoke September race, BC Alberta shootout. What do you expect for a turnout? Uh, he said he heard the facility is really small, and the rumor mill is that the Kamloops track owner wants more money for their lease, and it's getting harder for the club to pay the amount required. So there's a couple questions there. but Yeah. Um yeah, so first of all, thanks for the question. I know who Reese is, I guess. Um, is it Reese or Reed? It, or Reed, Reed, Reed? Reed? I think it was Reed, oh, yeah. Sorry, I guess I don't know. Oh, I, either yeah, I screwed up really or you screwed well. up, but yeah, it's probably <laughs> Sounds me. Sounds like the yeah, same the relationship kid, with yeah, Dylan kid Rimple. Named Reese. His kid's name's Reese. They okay. actually they did the national nationals last year, or some of them anyways. Um, yes, Rebel Stoke uh, on the schedule, so a new track for us here in BC. Uh, we did go there about four or five years ago uh, for a West Can, actually. Um, really cool track. Um, small pit area, but they are making improvements to it. Um, but as Galdi knows, like <sighs> scheduling is tough because from a business standpoint, you got to put race. Like, of course you'd love to give every single person that has a track a race, but it has to make sense. Um, it has to make sense for the promoter and it has to make sense for, for the track as well. I mean, everybody needs to make some money. So when doing scheduling, you know, you need to look at where you pull your most entries, Ontario, very similar to BC in the sense that it's a huge province, right? So you can't just, you know, oh yeah, we're going to go here and here and here and here. You're asking too much out of your customer. You need to be smart on where you're going to go and and that's how, and that's how you schedule. So, we thought um we thought about putting one there. It's literally um from Calgary to Revelstoke is four and a half hours. Okay, that's not bad. Um so we'll pull a big Alberta crew and I'm going to work with those guys on on making it this shootout type of thing and and whatnot and have some cool awards and some different prizing and stuff and and just some just some cool stuff to, to mix it up. But uh, but yeah, he's right. The pits are small, but it is uh, they are making improvements. The other cool thing with Revelstoke, it's a, a, a destination type yeah, town. Yeah. So they get tourism uh, BC behind it and, and grants and everything like this for the for the race. So it, it ends up working out pretty good. Um, as far as the status at Kamloops, yes, no question. Who doesn't want more money these days? <laughs> that's just 
that's just the way that it goes. But um, everything is worked out. Um, Sage Deverall, who currently holds the lease on the track um, in Kamloops from the from the native band, um, has worked out a program with them, and everything is good to go there for sure. So, okay, awesome. Cool. Uh, okay, so I think that's probably a good time to uh, shut it down here. We got lots, lots, uh, lots of news in there. We got to talk uh, to uh, Dylan and and get some questions in as well. So, uh, Galdi, why don't you uh, give our sponsors some more love on the way out here, and uh, and we'll finish her up here. Yeah, thanks for joining in Race Tech. Thanks Checkers and Charlie Johnson out of Alberta. There heading up the Race Tech boys. Um, wherever you can, they will give you information. Um, and, uh, if you are definitely going to get onto them, they will supply you with the best product out there. And all race tech products are hundred percent guaranteed and made in the USA. Uh, reach out to us for any contact info or hit up racetech.com for uh, info on that. KTM Canada, Husqvarna Canada and Gas Gas Canada. I truly appreciate those guys coming on board. Uh, visit all them, uh, KTM.com, Husqvarna.com and, uh, gasgas.com i might not have got those links exactly perfect but if you just google it they'll be out there mm-hmm. um lots of great website, stuff they got yeah. the they, yeah they got, yeah check our website that's right check our website uh there for that and um hit those guys up really appreciate having them on uh thanks uh to new for opening up the doors here ammo read across is still moving forward um Sweet. i've obviously got ammo ontario it's going good we are about to hit 300 members so i'll be doing another draw which is kind of neat i do these live draws and give prizes away Actually, Matrix Concepts Canada is kicking in twelve gas cans, Noof. Oh, is that is that happening? I just told you now. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you're on board with that. Thank you very much. They sponsor ammo and they sponsor CMX uh, U as well. So, appreciate that. Of course, Steve Mathis at Pulp MX Guts Racing. Use the Pulp Twenty Three code uh, at GutsRacing.com. And uh, the boys on the line here. It's another good one, fellas. We are clicking mm-hmm. them off. We'll we'll dig in some more information and. Uh, Always good talking. Just lots of fun talking now. And I, once I get out of this robe, I got to go jump back in a, a loader and push some more oh, fucking snow. Fun, fun. When yeah. you going to Houston, Galdi, you're going next week, right? Uh, yeah, I'll leave Wednesday to go to Toronto. We fly out Thursday morning. So, yeah, next week my kid is in the uh, KTM Junior. And, uh, and then, like, what, two weeks after that, you're in it too, right, Noof? End of February. End of February, yeah. So are you going to yell at him? Like, is he ready? Like, you're going to just... <laughs> say this is it either do good or we're fucking selling everything my 50 parenting is much different than yours we do this we do this for the fun i do not beat my child okay <laughs> i do not beat my child <laughs> yeah yeah okay no, well, i don't know we'll see i don't know send it that's what we're doing larry yeah. enticer just send it perfect well riley's not scared to send it that's for sure yeah i hope he doesn't crash fuck <laughs> <laughs> Make it for a good story, anyways. Yeah, yeah. get into the jumbotron. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that'll give us lots to talk about in the month or two coming up here. So that's good. Um, so thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, big thanks to all of our sponsors that are hopping on and supporting us. Uh, I love doing this, and that makes it possible. And thanks to you two guys for coming and talking and and going out there and digging all that information up and uh, getting it out to our listeners. That's awesome. So we'll talk to you guys tell in a your, couple weeks. Tell here. your wife we love her, Ken. Yeah, I will. <laughs> okay. See you, boys. Bye-bye. Okay, see you guys later.